What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Matt is going to be joining me in just a moment to talk about week 10 of the NFL season. We're going to talk about a pretty nasty Bills loss on Monday Night Football. Take a look at the AFC and NFC playoff pictures. Josh Dobbs continuing to lead the Vikings into a playoff spot. A really tight AFC race that's going to be really interesting as we come down the last seven to eight games of the NFL season. And then we're going to talk about the tankathon that's going on between my favorite team, the New England Patriots, and then the New York Giants, along with maybe a couple other contenders. It looks like those are our two main tankers the rest of the season, which is not a position I thought that my team would ever be in, but I was very happy to see them lose to the Colts in Germany over the weekend, a game that I thought they might pull out at some points. And Mac Jones said, not so fast, New England fans, we're going to get this top pick. Before we get started, remember that you can reach out to us at Fouled Out Sports on Twitter or FouledOutSports at gmail.com. We really appreciate you guys listening. We'd love to get some feedback from you about what you like about the show, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of. And remember to send us your best and worst fantasy football stories. Love hearing those. We got some good ones last week that were pretty funny. Uh, and if we get some particularly good ones, we'll read them out on the podcast and give you guys a shout out. So fouled out sports at Twitter, uh, fouled out sports on Twitter or fouled out sports at gmail.com. Keep those stories coming. But for now, let's bring in Matt. Let's talk week 10 of the NFL season. Let's go. Matt is here, coming off week 10 of the NFL season. Matt, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, I feel pretty good after squeaking out two wins in fantasy football where my team absolutely shit the bed. I was thinking about that this weekend where like sometimes you just kind of have that season where you can't lose. Like when the team you're playing scores a bunch, you score more. And then yeah. when you, you play shitty, the team you're playing plays shitty. It just happens to line up where you just keep winning games. Yeah, like... I just feel very fortunate to have come out of very bi-week heavy week with two wins. That That was not my expectation. Yeah, I actually I survived this week too. Hopefully, my last week without Devin Achan, as I'm sure everybody that listens to this podcast yeah. knows, been waiting to get him back. So that's I, exciting. I'm really hoping that I get Justin Jefferson back in the next couple of weeks. Fingers that would be crossed. a huge pickup. Yeah it it was a weird week for the NFL. Like you said, there was a lot of guys out on bye. It also, you know, we looked at the schedule before the week last week, like when we were recording last week, we looked at the schedule and we said, ah, you know, this week's not that great. There's not that many marquee games. It's not that many big matchups. We're kind of looking forward to week 11 where you get Bengals, Ravens, and you get chiefs and Eagles on Monday night football. And then this week has six games decided by a last second field goal. And then it's like when you do get to the marquee matchups and you do get to these big games that you look forward to, a lot of times they don't live up to the hype. And that's yeah. kind of like the beautiful thing about NFL football is it's like, man, any Sunday, any game can end up being a really good game, can end up being a banger. Uh, you know, it's also a weird week because I looked at the lines. I looked at all the gambling lines ahead of the week and I listed all the games on the podcast last week that I was like, I'm not touching those games. It's like New Orleans versus the Vikings. no. Tennessee and Bucks, no. And I was proud of myself because I stuck to that. The only thing I really liked on Sunday was the Lions minus two and a half over the Chargers. You guys end up pulling that one out with a last second field goal. It's stupid because there will be weeks where I love all of the Lions. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make so much money this week. I'm going to bet this game. I'm going to bet this game. And I end up getting slaughtered. And then there'll be weeks like this week where I hate everything. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to make a stupid ass six leg parlay plus 4,000 and it fucking slaps. 
and it hits. I was like, this is dumb. And I don't know if NFL parody is like a great thing or it's just a really, really stupid thing. We should ride the wave of randomness and stop like pretending like we know what's going to happen with a lot of these games. No, we absolutely should not pretend that we actually understand anything about football because nobody does. Like the one thing I knew this weekend was that the Chargers were going to charge. I think I had a lot of Lions fans blowing up mm-hmm. my phone, very concerned about some of the calls that the referees made in that game. And rightfully so. But if I text you back this the other day, I was like, don't worry, Matt. It's the Chargers. You're not going to lose. It'll be okay. And sure enough, the Chargers became the only team in the history of the NFL to score a touchdown on every single drive in the last 40 minutes of a game and lose. And I'm like, that's that's it right there. It's peak Chargers. Not only did they lose, they didn't cover. So <laughs> it's just a very like, you know, the, the, depending on where when and where you got the line there. In some places, it was three flat. So like best case scenario, they pushed. I got it at two and a half, which I was all about. Yeah. But it, I feel like the Chargers, you could just tell me like only one team has ever done this ridiculously stupid thing to lose that no other team has ever done. And I'd be like, it was the Chargers. <laughs> I know it's the fucking Chargers. There, there are two options. <laughs> but it has to be like something that's ridiculously good and still lose. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, that's their like oddly specific brand of random. Yeah. That that's like their niche is that like, Oh, I'm talking about like, if you told me a quarter, like only one quarterback has ever thrown for 500 yards and seven TDs and lost. I'd be like, that's Justin Herbert (laughs) or Phillip rivers. Like that's the chargers. I know that's the chargers. The only team that is even on in the same stratosphere as them in this category is the Vikings and theirs is less specific, but like the chargers find a way to be statistically phenomenal and still somehow like lose a ton of games. Yeah. It's like they were number one in offense and number one in defense one year and missed the playoffs. Yep. Like, and they were eight and eight and missed the playoffs. And then they're, they're also the only team to ever have a coach go like 14 and two and then get fired. Like, yeah, they're the only team to do a lot of things, but yeah. So Detroit went, <clears throat> Detroit wins that one. Another good win by Detroit taking care of business going on the road and getting that done. Yeah. I will say the only thing that really concerned me in that game was Herbert was dealing. He got on a heater <laughs> and I was like, Oh man, if we don't keep pace, this is over. Cause he, we're, you're not, you're not stopping that. Yeah, Herbert's an interesting guy because he's like, he's all the nerds, like wet dream quarterback, where all yeah. the advanced stats are always like, oh, the, the, this is the best guy in the league, but he just doesn't win. And I just wonder if he wasn't on the Chargers, would he win more? <laughs> just like, I don't know what you do with it. It's like, it is like the Vikings, it's like the Falcons, it's like a lot of teams where it's like, I feel like like obviously moving that team out of San Diego didn't get rid of this bad mojo. Do you, do you like rebrand the franchise? Do you just completely dissolve the franchise and let the players go into free agency? Like I don't know how you turn this around if you're the Chargers at this point. You're just going to charge. You just yeah. got to do it. The Chargers are just going to charge. Yeah, I just I I don't know what can be done. It's unfortunate for him because like they put up 38 points and they punted twice in the first quarter. Like, everything else after that was perfect. Yeah, so that, that was the only line I really liked over the weekend, was Lions minus two and a half. Uh, like I said, I we were talking on Sunday morning, and I was like, ah, I feel like I need some more action on things. I need some more juice. And you're like, you know, you could just not bet. And I was like, no, Matt. <laughs> I'm not going to not bet. I'm going to force a bunch of bad bets and then be pissed when I lose money. That's how this works. I don't know. That's how you end up betting on the Jets. That's how gambling happens. I stayed away from Raiders Jets. That was another one. It's very proud of myself because I promised myself I'm only betting on good teams from now on. 
uh, and apparently putting together like plus 4,000 parlays that I, it was so stupid. I just, I picked six player props that I liked the over and I just threw them all together and I was like, ah, okay, I'll put a small amount of money on it. We'll see what happens. I had, I think it was Lamar Jackson over 40 and a half rushing yards and yep. Alvin Kamara over 32 and a half receiving yards. And both of them hit their props by one yard. Like yeah. not, not even half a yard. They were half a yard over. And as soon as that happened, I was like, this is going to hit. This is it. The only thing I had to worry about in the late games was Bajan Robinson over 59 and a half rushing yards, which like for the amount of talent that guy has is like a really stupid thing to have to worry about. But also Arthur Smith is a chode. I say it on the podcast every week. You just don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't understand what the fuck he's doing out there. There's reports today too that he has the full support of uh, Arthur Blank, the oh, owner. Jesus fucking Christ! And that they're not getting rid of him, and they intend to have him as their coach to start 2024. So I know which team I'm staying away from in my fantasy draft next year. Yeah, not going to fool me four times, Arthur. Yeah. Smith. <laughs> fool me once, fool me twice, fool me chicken soup with rice. So week ten is over. It's in the books. I was looking at where it leaves us after all of the chaos of this week. You know, like I said, six games decided by a last second field goal. Madness all over the place. The Ravens blow a huge lead to Cleveland. Buffalo drops a game that we're going to talk about in detail later. It's probably going to be the majority of this podcast. So like if you're if you're a Buffalo fan, you probably turn this off now. I was looking at this and thinking like the parody of the NFL is present or it's no more present than it is in the AFC wildcard picture. So now you got Cleveland and Pittsburgh, both at six and three. You got the Houston Texans in the seventh seed at five and four coming off of a huge win against the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. which I just want to say we've been talking about this trend all year of like, the team that's getting all the hype losing. And it just keeps hitting because going into this week, it was like, oh man, the Ravens might actually be the best team in the NFL. Oh, Cincinnati's really like back on a roll. They got their shit together. Here comes Cincinnati. They both lose. It's just, it's a trend. It's just a matter of like being able to identify the team it's going to happen to ahead of time. So, I mean, this week, I hate to tell you this, but it could be the Lions. It could be the Texans after their big win because everybody's kind of – we're going to gas up the Texans a little bit later too, so it might be them. But it's going to be somebody. It's going to happen again. So, two, six, and three teams. Uh, Texans are five and four. They're in the seventh seed. The Bengals are five and four as well after dropping that one to the Texans. Then you got six teams that are either five and five or four and five. So six teams that are one game back, like within one game of that seventh seed. And it's just like some of the dumbest teams. I I don't know how after 10 weeks of football, the Raiders are five and five. I don't know how the Colts are five and five, you know? And like, you got teams like the Chargers who are talented four and five. The Jets are kind of still lingering at four and five, even though it looks like they're about to fall off the face of the earth here after losing to the Raiders. I just, and like looking at this, it's like, man, all these teams that are ahead of them, the Bengals, the Steelers, Cleveland, even the Ravens to a degree, they all got to play each other. Yep. So there's going to be openings. Like, I don't know if three, I don't know if four AFC North teams can make the playoffs. I don't know if three NFC or AFC North teams can make the playoffs. No, it's really unusual that you see more than two. It feels like every year there's one division that a lot, there's a bunch of people, maybe not most, but like there's a noteworthy section of people get, they get all hyped up about that division. They're like, oh man, everyone from that division is going to the playoff. And it never fucking happens. And usually it's not even three. I mean, it's for sure, it's for sure the best division in football right now. Absolutely. But it's like, the the problem is that when those teams are that good and they're all in the division, they all play each other twice a year 
and they beat each other up. And then the weaker divisions are like, oh, well, I guess I don't mind if I do. And I'll scoot on in. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I think is going to happen, too, because I, w- I was looking at like Houston, who's been the surprise of the season so far at five and four. Yeah, like blowing away even the win ranges that we had for them. Their next few games, they got the Cardinals this week, the Jags, the Broncos, the Jets and the Titans. If they go three and two in that stretch, they're eight and six. If they go four and one, they're nine and five all of a sudden. Like that Houston could win double digit games this season. This is madness. This is where yeah. we're at 10 weeks in the season. And it's like, yeah. And then you got the Raiders all of a sudden they're two and oh with Antonio Pierce as their coach. Yep. You know, they, they're looking a lot better playing better defense. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see what that trajectory looks like the first week after the coach that everybody hates gets fired. Like, I actually want to see the statistics on that team pulling off a win that week because I feel like it like ha- I feel like I just see it so often. Undefeated. Or or at least like the odds on them like beating the spread that week is probably extremely good because you see it all the fucking time. Just think back to when the Colts fired uh, Frank Reich and fucking Jeff Saturday came off of an ESPN set and they won yep. their first game with Jeff Saturday. It's <laughs> like, no, this is a guaranteed hit. There's no way. There's no way you lose that game. Carolina Mad Cats watched that and decided they wanted to hire that guy to come and be the coach of their number one overall draft pick, Bryce Young. Seriously. That is malpractice. Like, they, Carolina's ownership needs to be sued. How much more of this do they need to watch before they decide, hey, we we don't need to give this another go next year? They're not even like adapting to try to make things better for the guys that they have. They're just like, well, we're just going to keep trying to do the things that we're doing. And spoiler, it's not working. Yeah, as I watched Carolina lose Thursday night football to the Bears in a game I promised myself I wouldn't watch. <laughs> Turns out that I not only lied to the listeners, but I lied to myself. I think the listeners probably knew. They're like, Adam, the only person you're lying here to is yourself. You're, you're going to watch the Carolina Mad Cats versus the <laughs> Chicago Bears. And I did. And I watched T-Bag beat Bryce Young. And I didn't sit there and think like, man, the Panthers like really screwed up by drafting young over Stroud, which like maybe they did. Time will tell. Yeah, we'll see. I was like, God, the, the thing I worry about with Bryce Young is not how he's looked this season. I worry about like, okay, you brought in Frank Reich to develop this guy mm-hmm. and coach a football team. We watched Frank Reich. We saw how bad he was for years. And that was your choice. And then like, say he does get fired, it's going to be one of those situations where, like, Bryce Young has a whole new coaching staff his second year, and so now he's, like, relearning everything his second year instead of getting more comfortable in the offense. Like, I don't worry about Bryce Young's talent yet or how he's looked. I worry that the Can- the Carolina Madcats have, like, already fucked him. CJ Stroud is getting a lot of love right now, and he's certainly deserved it. Like, I will say that my comp for him coming out was Dak Prescott and he has looked better like Dak Prescott has never had a stretch where he looked this good at any point in his career I don't know however have you watched Dak Prescott play against these high school teams the last couple weeks (laughs) it's been amazing but CJ Stroud in Carolina do you really think he looks anything like what he looks like now that that for me is the problem with evaluating this pick is like you made this hire that like I I didn't like but I was like all right well like at least maybe he can like design a decent run game no he fucking can't every single player that was involved in that team last year has gotten worse 
Frank Reich is now one of those guys who's on the list for me with like Adam Gase, Josh McDaniels, yeah. Matt Patricia. It's like, just stop. Just stop recycling these guys. We know it doesn't work. Yep. We know that. And yet everybody's like, ah, I'll give them another chance. When you see guys who haven't had head coaching jobs before, like D'Amico Ryans is a good example in Houston, where you get these like good young coordinators who are ready to take the next step. And you're not like recycling guys who have already failed before. You're giving someone who's earned a shot, a new shot. Like Mike McDaniel is a good example of that too. He was a great coordinator. Hire him. He steps into the head coach role, does a great job because he's like young. He's innovative. He's yeah. bringing new ideas to the table. He's not someone who's like from a whole tree of failures. Yeah. Like uh, McDaniels and Patricia, Patricia are. <laughs> are you telling me you really want to run it back with Frank Reich more than you would like to give someone like Dave Canales a shot who was a part of the Gino Gino Smith turnaround and now has made Baker Mayfield look pretty solid this year. As a fan who might be searching for a new coach this offseason, uh, we'll, we'll still see how the Patriots thing is going to go. But like, I will lose my shit if we like hire someone who's failed somewhere else before i will only accept like good young coordinator like ben johnson or like canales who you just mentioned or like successful coach who's been successful somewhere else uh there's a big patriots rumor about like mike frabel coming back to the pats to coach you know like that's i'd be totally good with mike Vrabel. i'd be good with ben johnson i'd be good with canales what, what i'm not going to be good with is like Ah, oh, we brought in like Ron Rivera. He's got experience. We brought in like, you know, Jeff Fisher. Like these are the types of oh, hires God. these teams make. No. Oh God, no, not Jeff Fisher. Yeah, these are the type of hires these teams make where it's like, oh, really? Like you're going to hire Chip Kelly again? We've seen Chip Kelly fail. I don't want to see this shit. So yeah, if I was hiring a coach, I would not accept like a Frank Reich or a Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels, Joe Judge, like all these guys who have failed I, other places. I would even say like Steve Wilkes, someone who like did quote unquote fail in his shot before is a much better stab than any of those guys because A, he didn't really get a fair shake uh, out in Arizona and B, like when he went back to being a defensive coordinator, he proved to be extremely fucking competent at it. And he did very well as the interim head coach in Carolina. Bring me Cliff Kingsbury. Cause at least if we're not going to win games, I know it's going to be fun. And I don't mean fun as in the product on the field. I mean, fun on the shots. We're going to be ripping off the field with Cliff. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that the AFC, this like seventh seed and potentially like, a couple of those seeds with like the Browns and Steelers and all these guys having to play each other are going to be open. And you look at like these teams behind them that have softer schedules, like the Texans, you know, who, yeah, they're the seventh seed right now, but like they could climb, man, you win 10 games this season. That might be good for like the fourth or fifth seed in that conference when all is said and done. So, yeah. And, and the, the sixth and seventh seed in the AFC are, going to be better teams than the uh fourth and fifth seed in the nfc i was just gonna say on the other hand we have the nfc which is like pretty much decided at this point but i don't I don't know if the afc is going to have better wild card teams than the nfc because the vikings are going to be a wild card team in the nfc <laughs> and josh Dobbs won't stop winning football games no they'll make it as like the sixth I chose my numbers purposely. <laughs> so Dobbs leads uh, Minnesota to a win over New Orleans this week. He throws for 268 in the touchdown, another 44 rushing and another touchdown. Only after the stadium ushers had to show him where the locker room was. He was lost and didn't know where it was. And like the ushers like had to guide him to the locker room. And I feel like the story just gets sillier and sillier every week like he's been with the team for two days he doesn't know anybody's name and he beats the falcons 
he shows up in Minnesota and has no idea where to go when he gets there. So stadium employees have to show him. And then he beats New Orleans. It's like next week he's going to like fly to the wrong city. And somehow he's like still going to ball out and beat the Denver Broncos. <laughs> There's no stopping this man at this point. Not like taking anything away from Dobbs because I think the world of this man, but I do think that what they have been able to do over the last two weeks with him playing quarterback for them is an indictment on like all these other teams in the NFL that can't put together a competent passing game. He doesn't know any of these guys. He doesn't have any of the timing down yet. And yet they're able to run stuff that is similar enough to things that he already knows and make it easy for the quarterback to do that stuff without like having any sort of rapport yet. But yet we have like at least half the league that's just like wanting to run incredibly static offenses. It's funny because there's been a big point about quarterback play being down this year and about, you know, you and I talked about this recently is like, if you had to rank the top 10 quarterbacks right now in the NFL, there really aren't 10 quarterbacks who are worthy of like having a top 10 ranking. Yep. If that makes sense. I mean, you would put 10 there because you're ranking 10, but it's like, once you get past like seven or eight, it gets really dark, really quickly. Yeah. You know, you got like Mahomes, Hurts, Burrow. This is in no particular order. Josh mm-hmm. Allen, Lamar Jackson, Herbert. Yep. You know, and then it's like, I don't know. Is it like Goff, Stroud? Like <laughs> you drop yeah. down. It's like, God, who, who is it? Like Sam Howell's leading the league in passing yards right now. Yep. Is it <laughs> Sam Howell up there somewhere? Is it Josh Dobbs? I don't like there's Josh not, Dobbs is number one. Josh Dobbs is number one in our hearts, but yeah, it just, yeah, I'm sure I'm missing people. I'm sure that people are going to mm-hmm. call me out for this, but like it gets dark quick, especially when you get to that, like seven, eight, nine, ten spot, uh, especially with like cousins out. Cause like I would have yep. cousins in there probably when he's healthy, but yeah, we, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be made about quarterbacks being or quarterback play being down this season. And then you have someone like Josh Dobbs, like come over, they're able to work with him and put together like a good offense. You know, I I'm really interested to see them on Sunday night football this week against the Denver Broncos. Yeah. And how that goes because, uh, Denver has been playing good defense and they just made Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen look like chumps the last two weeks. So it's like, we beat Mahomes, we beat Allen. Now it's time for a real test. Josh Dobbs yeah. coming to town. Let's go. Yes, the defense was a particularly awful at the beginning of the year. And I think that made it incredibly easy for a lot of fans to forget about the fact that that secondary has Patrick Sertan and Justin Simmons in it which are two defensive backs that just about every team in the NFL would love to have in their secondary. The Broncos are going to win nine games this season. I'm not saying that as a take. I'm not just, I'm stating it as a pure fact. The Broncos are going to win nine games this season. I said it at the beginning of the season, because when we did the over-unders and we did the win ranges, I wanted to put the Broncos lower, but I just, I couldn't get out of my head that Vegas had them at eight and a half wins as they're over under. I was like, I just couldn't get over it. Go back and listen to that podcast. I was like, I put the range from like yep. six to nine. And I was like, I got to have nine in there. Cause they're going to win nine fucking football games. And all of a sudden they've won three in a row. They're four and five. They've, beaten two of the best quarterbacks in the league the last two weeks. I think they, they forced like five turnovers against the chiefs and four against the bills, which like, you know, you really don't have to force turnovers against the bills anymore. They just kind of hand them out for free, but you beat those two guys. (laughs) Now you got a home game against the Vikings who like, you know, I, I love the Dobbs story. I think it's been awesome, 
but I also just want to mention that he, the two teams he beat were the Falcons and the Saints, who are just like, I, I just don't want anybody to talk to me about the NFC South for the rest of the year. It's a fucking garbage division. And now, like, you know, they beat him. All of a sudden, they're five and five. I know they still got a game against the Patriots coming up, which they can take that one. They got Browns, Texans, Chargers. Like, it's it's not going to make any sense. I can, I'm not even going to go through their rec, like their schedule and pick out the games they're going to win. It's not going to make sense. They're just going to win nine games. We're all going to be sitting here at the end of the year. Like, how the hell did the Broncos win nine games and potentially <laughs> take that seventh seat? But it's going to happen. I'm just kind of along for the ride on that. It's just a fact at this point, Matt, that grass is green. The sky is blue. The Denver Broncos are going to win nine football games this season. <laughs> I don't know what to tell people. This isn't a take. But yeah, I, I love the Dobbs story. I want to play a quick game with you. It's called, which one of these quarterbacks has more fantasy points this season? Oh, God. Josh Dobbs or Patrick Mahomes? Is it Dobbs? <laughs> it's Josh. He's, had a couple of, he's had a couple of really big weeks. It's Josh Dobbs. Uh, currently, Josh Dobbs has 179.6 fantasy points. Patrick Mahomes has 179.48. So it's not by a lot. Josh Dobbs has played one more game than Patrick Mahomes at this point. However, Josh Dobbs first game of the season, he put up 0.98 points. So like, yeah, he's played one more game, but that's not the reason he Dobbs has had five games of 23 or more fantasy points this season. And one of the games didn't even start that, that that extra game did give him the little bump. Mm Mm-hmm. He has the, that's why he has the edge, but he has more points than Mahomes. He has more points than Stroud, Tua, or Jared Goff right now. He's a top 10 fantasy quarterback, Matt. (laughs) Oh, incredible. Can't make this shit up. He like, wasn't even on a team until like a couple days before the season started. He got traded at the trade deadline. Top 10 fantasy quarterback. Joshua Dobbs. This, regardless of like how good he is the rest of his career, these last two games have made this man so much money. I'm really fucking happy for him. Think about it this way too. He's put up two 25 plus point fantasy performances with the Vikings and he's going to get Justin Jefferson back soon. Yep. Like, he might just get better, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I still want to see him play like teams like the lions, the Broncos, like play a team that's outside of the NFC South. And then we'll really start buying into it. Cause I just like, I said it last week. I'll say it again <laughs> this week. I don't know which quarterback can't beat the Falcons at this point. Uh, I told you guys that Kyler was going to do it this week. He did. I like the Falcons are on a bye week They might lose. I was looking at the teams that have a bye week this week. It's funny because last week we didn't have the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and to a lesser degree, the Rams. And it was like, oh man, how are we going to have like good football? We don't have any of like the good teams. This week, it's like we got rid of Atlanta, Indianapolis, New England, and New Orleans all in the same week. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to watch any of these teams this week. This is fantastic. (laughs) That Pats-Colts game, the Germany game on Sunday, was the worst football game I've watched in I don't even know how long. And I watched Bears-Panthers on Thursday night. Like, let that sink in. The Bears and the Panthers played this week, and it wasn't the worst football game. Yeah, I mean, I just had had it on in the background, and even that was like, "Mm, do I need this? It was bad, man. And like, we're just now at the point where we're on full full on tank mode for the New England Patriots. And I was like, man, we might have the best tank weapon out there with Mac Jones. I said last year and I said this year that I'm out on Mac Jones. And we went on another podcast. We went and talked to our friends from Certified Beef after the Vikings beat the Patriots on th- uh, Thanksgiving football last year. And they asked me, they're like, oh, do you think Mac Jones is the guy? I said, absolutely not. And they're like, oh, are you a zappy guy? Do you think he's the guy? And I'm like, the answer is no. We None of these guys are the guy. 
And it's never more apparent than it was in Germany on Sunday where Mac Jones has like the single worst throw, I think in the history of the new England Patriots on what potentially could have been the game winning touchdown to Gusecki. He throws it like 10 yards short and into double coverage somehow horrible. And then they bench him and bring in Zappy and Zappy does a fake spike and throws into triple coverage for the game ceiling interception. And I was like, you know what? This is what I wanted to see out of the Patriots at this point. I, I don't want to win a game for the rest of the season. I mean, I assume when you're talking about when you say the guy is like truly the guy that can like put the team on their back and drag them to a victory when called upon to do it. Right. In Mac Jones case, I mean, like, he's not the guy as in he's not a starting quarterback in the right. NFL, but like, like, he's not a starting level yes. quarterback. So I'm I'm not like in any way trying to defend him here, but where then I'm don't. going with just, this, then don't just end the sentence there. Where I'm going with this is that guys who are the guy by the end of year two. They have, like, at least five or six games where they, like, have that moment. You're like, oh, my God, they're the guy. They're they're the fucking guy. And there's definitely a handful of uh, fan bases around the NFL that are still just like, "Mm, but I think he can be the, like, no, I'm sorry. Mac Jones is not the guy. Justin Fields is clearly not the fucking guy at this point. Get over it. Mac Jones hit the gritty in a Pro Bowl one time. <laughs> that's, that's about all you can. You're like, what is Mac Jones' moment that would make people think he's the guy? And that, that's all I got for you. He hit the gritty in a Pro Bowl one time that he I'm, never should have been at. I'm not going to lie. That's a moment that tells me he's objectively not the fucking guy. <laughs> but if you ever need to know how much of a joke the Pro Bowl is, just know that Mac Jones made one. Anyway, I, I came out vehemently against Mac Jones last year, even as people were defending him and saying like, oh, it's Matt Patricia. It's this, it's that. I'm like, no. The guy, the man, the quarterback who's like, I'm him, doesn't cry when the play call comes in. That shit does not happen. Yeah. Mac Jones has been a problem yeah. for this organization for years. It's time to get rid of him. Shoot him yeah. out into the sun. Goodbye, Mac Jones. I don't care what we have to do. The guy gets the play call and is like, I can make that work. Or like, even if he disagrees with it, it's like, you don't look at the sidelines and start crying and throwing a hissy fit on the field. It's like the composure matters. The way that you carry yourself on the field matters. And he doesn't have that. And I would be very confident that he would lead us to the number one pick and getting Caleb Williams. If it wasn't for the fact that the giants are starting Tommy DeVito every week. (laughs) (laughs) DeVito's the worst quarterback I have ever seen ever. And I'm, I'm including Nathan Peterman. (laughs) <laughs> not like DeVito is so bad. And then like the story comes out, they're like, Oh yeah, DeVito still lives with his parents. Like that doesn't fucking surprise me. I've seen the man play quarterback. Uh, did you see, uh, I think it was like that, like Diana Rossini tweet. She was like, this is why I wasn't married until I was 37. <laughs> Of <laughs> what did Tommy DeVito do to her? Just Jersey boy who's still living in mom and dad's basement. Tommy DeVito is going in the bad quarterback hall of fame with Nathan Peterman, with Jamarcus Russell, with Johnny Manziel. Just like new, uh, he's so sexy bad. Rexy. He's so bad. Hey, sexy Rexy went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, he was fucking dragged there. Yeah, <laughs> kicking and screaming, but he made it. He tried not to be there extremely hard. There's like a list of quarterbacks out there who like their team dragged them to a Super Bowl. And it's like 
Rex Grossman, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Uh, the corpse of Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl that last year with the Broncos, where it's like they're doing like weekend at Bernie's with Peyton Manning's corpse. <laughs> they still beat the Panthers in the Super Bowl because Von Miller was just that much of a monster at the time. Right. Tommy DeVito is so bad that he would hold the 2001 Ravens back from winning a Super Bowl. Like Rex Grossman was dragged to a Super Bowl. Trent Dofer, like, he rode that team to a Super Bowl. He wasn't driving them, but, like, he wasn't always, like, he wasn't holding them back. Good Lord, if that Bears squad had a halfway confident quarterback, who knows? <laughs> and that that's my biggest worry, is that, like, the Giants and the Patriots have a game coming up that could very well decide who gets Caleb Williams or Drake may or whoever. And I, I'm like, yeah, man, we got the worst quarterback situation. Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi. And then I watched DeVito play and I'm like, yeah, we're probably going to end up with like the number two pick. It's probably not happening for us this season. Cause man, but it, this is the thing, like going back to the Dobbs thing, like, you there are guys out there who you can get a functional NFL offense going with. And yet the Giants march out to veto every week. That is a very clear tank job. I want them investigated. Take their pick away. I want the I want Caleb Williams, man. I'm sick of sick of this shit. Sick of watching Mac Jones every week. I need a dog. I need a guy who cries when he loses. Let's go. What, your dog's not good enough for you? No, I love my dog. Don't even. I love your dog, too. Caleb Williams, they lost the Washington game, and he, like, Mm -hmm. everybody was clowning on him for crying after the game. And then in the post-game interview, he's they asked him about it, and he's like, I don't know, man. I just want to go home and watch Netflix with my dog. And I was like, that is the single most fucking relatable thing that anyone's ever said. Because that's how I feel every day after work. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I just want to go home and watch Netflix with my dog. That, that was the most human moment that guy has had in the last year. When you talk, just be like that. <laughs> Knock all the other shit off. Just be that guy. Just do like the depressed millennial humor. Everybody loves that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the like crying in his mom's arm thing. That is the, the least concerning thing for me. I know people were clowning him for that. That made me only like him more. All that. Yeah. You know? Like, like, oh my God, this guy's sad that he lost a football game. <laughs> oh no. It's like, yeah, you know what? I'd, I'd actually rather him care and occasionally cry than have like a Jay Cutler attitude. Yeah, man. If, if Mac Jones can just find a way to lose to Tommy DeVito in a couple weeks, I that'll completely change my opinion on Mac. I'll be like, he's a New England hero. <laughs> yes, he brought us Caleb Williams by finding a way to lose to Tommy frickin' DeVito. So someone will uh like pay for that man's rent for a year so he can get out of his parents' house if they pull that off. Mm. All right. Bolds and scolds, week ten of the NFL season. We probably should have got here sooner because I, I think my scold is going to take us a little bit. I think my scold only like almost became the first double scold that we've ever had. And maybe it still should be. Uh, but let's do the bolds first. It's my week to go first. I actually yeah. remember this time. Very good. Uh, my bold is Texans GM Nick Casario former New England Patriots head of uh, college scouting. I know the CJ Stroud thing is like this really awesome thing. He leads them to another win this week over the Bengals has a great game, leads the game winning drive again, top show burrow. Like there's so many great things we can say about CJ Stroud right now. That was obviously a great pick. Super like, you know, nailed it. The Will Anderson thing. Well, the jury's still out on that trade. We'll see. It's not looking as bad now that we know that their pick's not going to be like a top two or three. 
you know, maybe it's a little bit better, but we'll see. I picked Casario not because he picked CJ Stroud, although that's part of it. The team building of the Houston Texans has been phenomenal since he got there. So he leaves the New England Patriots in 2021, comes over to the Texans. Look at the last three Patriots drafts since Casario left. Look at Houston's last three drafts since Casario got there and became GM. Like that says enough. He comes over and all they have is like third round picks because they traded all this stuff away for like Laramie Tunsil. He gets Nico Collins his first year, like in the third round. Mm -hmm. The next year he adds to the defense. He gets like Stingley and Petrie and John Mechie and like a couple other pieces that are pretty good. Damian Pierce was part of that. This year, obviously, Stroud, Tank Dell. Well, jury's out on Will Anderson. We'll see how that goes. Could be really good. Could be bad. Yeah, who knows? He's done a great job in the draft so far. But it's like beyond that. It's just the overall roster construction. They get Noah Brown basically off of Dallas's practice squad. Get him Mm -hmm. basically for free. And he has back-to-back 150-plus yard games. He has like 360 yards the last two weeks. Just had 170 against the Bengals. They, you know, Damian Pierce is hurt, so they bring in like Devin Singletary, who they basically got for free from the Buffalo Bills. He rushes for a career high in yardage on 30 carries this week. Like, he was awesome. It's just like every week you have different guys stepping up, different pieces of this defense and offense playing well. On top of that, like he makes the awesome coaching hire, bringing in D'Amico Ryans this season, obviously the right coaching hire for that squad. Like so much of team success starts with the GM and it starts with like how they build the roster out and who they pick to like coach the team, you know, all this stuff. He's just done such an excellent job. And then you look at like who the Patriots have drafted without him. And it's like, God, like he might've been the secret sauce. He might like, I'm not trying to take anything away from Bill being one of the greatest, like being the greatest coach of all time and being a great GM for years and years. But they blocked Casario from taking the Texans job a couple years before he actually took it. Mm-hmm. And like, there was a reason for that. That dude is really smart and really important, and he's doing an awesome job for the Houston Texans. Like I said before, CJ Stroud's been getting a lot of love and like deservedly so, right? But it hasn't all been him. Like there's been a lot of other additions that are contributing to that. And I mean, not the least of which is Tank Dell. We talk all the time about how important it is for quarterbacks to have weapons and like having an incredibly explosive weapon in Tank Dell and even Nico Collins, a guy that I really, really liked coming out a couple years ago. Like that, none of this happens if he doesn't have those guys. And they're all brought in by Casario. And it's like even yep. a guy we didn't mention under the radar signing this uh, offseason, Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz, yep. Tight end, like, He's been important, but it's like, yeah, I'm looking at their stats right now. Devin Singletary brought in by Casario, Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz, Tank Dell, Robert Woods, you know, John Mechie, Nico Collins didn't play this past week, but he's had an awesome season as well. Like, and defensive side of the ball too. Like a lot of these guys were brought in by Casario. He's just been phenomenal there. My, my dream that probably won't happen is that if the Patriots do move on from Bill Belichick, it's. Uh, Nick Casario as GM and it's like Vrabel or Ben Johnson as the head coach. That's the dream. But yeah, and it's like, I look at what the Patriots have done too. Like they just released Jack Jones the other day, yesterday, I think after he hasn't played the last two weeks. And it's like, man, the trade deadline was two weeks ago. You're telling me you couldn't get anything at the trade deadline for the second year corner and you had to release him two weeks later for free. Yep. Like, I know that he bought, <clears throat> I know that Jack Jones brought 
an automatic weapon with a large feeder onto a plane in Boston. But like everybody makes mistakes, right? Like who hasn't tried to bring a large automatic weapon through airport security before? Let he who was without sin cast the first stone. Matt, <laughs> Jesus said that. I don't know where, because I only know one Bible verse. I'd like to recite it for you now. <clears throat> uh, this is a reading from Austin 316. And Stone Cold said on to the plebeians, I just kicked your ass. I am going straight to hell as soon as this podcast is over. Probably, I don't yeah. I don't know where people thought my bold was going, but I don't think they thought it was going to end there. Wherever <laughs> they thought I was going with, I don't think they thought we were going to end with Austin 316 says I just kicked your ass. Who's no, your, no, I don't think anyone predicted that. Uh who's your my. bold for week 10? Move, please move us on from this. Never. Uh, so my, my bold is still cold. Steve Austin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mine might as well be it's, uh, Trent Williams. We finally saw the San Francisco bounce back and kind of like look like San Francisco. And look, we've seen that offense function and look like itself without Debo before. Trent Williams is 100% the straw that stirs that goddamn drink. It's necessary for the passing game. It's necessary for the run game. Like, there are certain things that they ask him to do that not a goddamn other person on this planet of Earth can fucking do. Seeing how they went from, like, looking like a shell of themselves for like, what was it? Three, four weeks in a row to finally looking like the team that I like so many people thought was the best in the NFL again. Like, yeah, that's him. That's him having two functioning legs. One of them not being fully healthy yet. I'm sure. But like functional. Did you see after the game, they interviewed Christian McCaffrey and asked about his like 16 game touchdown streak breaking. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, I suck. Everybody else on the team scored except for me today. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's hilarious. Yeah. They went into Jacksonville and accidentally beat the snot out of the Jacksonville Jags. Like it was bad from the very beginning. Yeah. They mollywopped them. Yeah. They, they might be back in a big way. Uh, this is like the reverse of the trend. It's like the team that everybody hypes up all season loses. The team that everybody starts shitting on wins. So hopefully I didn't shit on the Patriots too much today because I'm going to ruin my chances at Caleb Williams. All right. It's time. Scold of the week. The Buffalo Bills. I, I just want to say before I say this, I said this on the podcast last week that the Broncos were going to win this football game against the Bills. I was talking to my dad yesterday on my way home from work, and I was like, I don't know, man. I just feel like the Broncos are going to beat the Bills. He was like, you're crazy. And I was like, I'm not crazy. This is going to happen. Sure enough, last night, Monday Night Football, the Broncos beat the Bills 24-22 in just like the chef's kiss Most Bills game possible. Every concern I had about the Bills coming into the season, during the season, leading up to this game, was on full display last night. Turnovers galore. Josh Allen throws two interceptions. James Cook with the fumble on the first play. Lack of discipline. You know, that whole last drive, the Broncos are trying to drive down to get the game-winning field goal. There's a huge pass interference play setting up what would have been the game-winning field goal. The Bills call their like timeouts. This whole thing happens where the Broncos take a knee on third down. They have to run the field goal unit out onto the field again because Sean Payton sucks at managing his timeouts. It was the second time in the game. They had to like do the fire drill to run the field goal team out there. They get set up with like seven seconds left. 
Will Lutz misses to the right. Bills win. Except for the fact that they had 12 guys on the field. The Broncos get the penalty. They get a re-kick. This time they get time to calm down and kick it. Lutz hits it. Broncos wins. There were like six different points in that final drive by the Broncos where the game should have been fucking over. I did. You're telling me that one team has to do like the field goal team fire drill where they, the whole offense has to leave the field. The field goal team has to sprint on the punter, the kicker. You basically could just leave your guys on the field, your defense. You switch in like a couple guys out for the field goal defense. And you're the ones that messed that up. Like we talked about how a super chargers thing is like to do something really well and still lose. It's like super bills to lose a game because of lack of discipline and turnovers. You know, it's like superhero ball by Josh Allen again, making bad throws. The the other thing I thought was really funny with them. So James Cook fumbles on the first play from scrimmage, catches a four yard pass and fumbles. And they take him out for like the whole first quarter. And they're like, we're playing Latavius Murray. Get out of here. I thought James Cook wasn't coming in again yesterday. I thought that was completely it. And then like one drive later, Josh Allen throws a ball to Gabe Davis, who's wide open, hits him right in the hands and bounces off for an interception. And yet next drive, Gabe Davis is right back out there. It's so Bill's. It's yeah. so bit like we're going to take our running back off the field for fumbling, but the wide receiver makes arguably a larger mistake. And we're, you know, he's, he's right back out there. He's fine because we don't want to run the ball. We want to just throw deep every play and we want to see Josh Allen be a goddamn superhero. And we need Gabe Davis out there to do that. We don't need James Cook out there to do that. They bring Cook in and Cook was the best Bills player in the entire game the rest of the way. Oh, absolutely. Like he was incredible the rest of the way, shredding the Broncos. And yet, he still only got 11 carries. Yeah, and when, it was 12 for 109. Yeah. And which it com- is good. <laughs> yes. And it comes down to nut crunching time. And what do they do? They give it back to Josh Allen, who instantly throws an interception. You know? And then they go and fire Ken Dorsey today. They're like, this is Ken Dorsey's fault. I mean, there's a lot that's Ken Dorsey's fault. It's but- partially his <laughs> fault. But like, when do we start looking at Josh Allen? And being like, you might not be as good as everybody thinks you are. Hey, I'm, I'm going to push back on you on that. When do we start putting this on Sean McDermott? This is your goddamn fucking team. And you're letting a fucking young kid just play hero ball all fucking day, every day. This is on you. It's not on the child to learn on their own. This is on you. You're the adult in the fucking room and you're not teaching. I am parenting my son incorrectly. (laughs) That's the case. (laughs) Like, seriously. You're just letting this young quarterback go out there and play like he's in high school every week. No other quarterback in the NFL does that. Or at least does that and expects to win. Well, this and, is the thing, though, is like no other quarterback in the NFL turns the ball over as much as Josh Allen does. Because, because nobody else does this shit. Yeah. Well, since he came into the league, he has more turnovers than any other quarterback. Yeah. And it's not yeah. like it's not like he had 20 his first two years and he's calmed down since then. It's like every year. Right. Every year he has a bunch. But my point is that every other quarterback in the NFL so has had some sort of fucking reins put on them. They promoted Joe Brady to be the offensive coordinator who, if you don't remember Joe Brady, oh, he was God. the archi- He was the architect of the LSU offense that had Burrow and chase and all these guys. Allegedly. And then he was really exciting when he went to the Panthers and was just absolute garbage in the NFL. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it just is such a bad loss for the Bills. And then like Trayvon Diggs is out on Twitter talking shit about Josh Allen all day today. And like his brother, Bills number one receiver, Stefan Diggs, certainly wasn't stopping him from saying the things he was saying about Josh Allen. We know Stefan has had issues 
with yeah. Josh Allen in the past. So I'm going to be really interested to see, like, I, I famously did not pick them to make the playoffs this year. And people were like, that is a really bad take, Adam. And I said, we'll see. They're five and five right now. And I'm going to tell you again, we'll see. Cause they have the talent. It yeah. was never about talent for me. It was about every single thing we saw last night. Before we go on to your school too, I also just wanted to mention, like, I thought last night was the best I've seen Russell Wilson look like in Denver period. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, this, I still don't think he's your solution, but Hey, he's, he's a guy that you can win with now. And that was not the case a year ago. He's a guy you can win nine games with, which is what they're going to do. Allegedly. The best things about Russell Wilson and Seattle were like the deep balls and the ability, like the escapability, the ability to make plays and improvise. The deep ball thing isn't necessarily there with him anymore. Like that's kind of gone, but I thought the the improvisation stuff was gone too. But I saw that last night. Like escaping. There's, there's a there's a glimmer of it. He's yeah. st- certainly not that kind of guy anymore. But he's not uh, the guy he used to be. But yeah, it, it was like the old point guard. Like we we've compared him to like old point guards who have lost a step. Yep. But it's like the it's like the Chris Paul. Like I might have lost a step, but I'm still like wily, and I can still yep. kind of do some of these things. So I I was impressed by that last night and watched Javante Williams go off in fantasy football the last couple of weeks. Pretty excited about that too. So who is your scold for week 10? I don't know if we could possibly scold anybody more than we scolded the Buffalo bills. Oh, nope, not, not anywhere close. Uh, my, my scold is Mike Vrabel and the rest of the Tennessee offensive coaching staff. You decided and committed to having rookie Will Levis, who this is, this was like what? Start number three? Start three. Yeah. In his career, throw 39 passes on Sunday and ran the ball a combined 16 times. A Slightly over the hill, DeAndre Hopkins is his best receiver, and it's a dramatic drop-off after that. They were down 7-3 to three at halftime. There was a time where 16 rush attempts by halftime would have been a low estimate for this team. Have you just thrown away the entire identity of this team? Because you do not have the personnel to air the ball out all the time. And you just set up your rookie quarterback to fail without any sort of support. It's funny because the Titans and the Bucks are like very similar teams where they're both really good at stopping the run, but both really bad against the pass. Yep. And it just seemed like they were like, all right, the Bucks are really good at stopping the run. So, like, let's just throw all over them. And it's like, it's not how it works. You still need to threaten the run, right? You yeah. can't just completely abandon it just because the other team's good at stopping it. I, I just want to say I'm proud of myself for staying away from this game from, like, a gambling perspective because this was one of the games last week where I was like, if I bet on Bucks titans I will lose money. And I was sitting there Sunday morning and I was like, ah, I kind of like that Titans money line. And I was like, nope, no. I said on the podcast, no. And I stayed away from it and I didn't lose money. It could change. Maybe they'll make some big changes in the offseason, but this is starting to be a coaching staff that like I don't have faith in if things don't go the way they expect them to. There's a number of these coaching staffs that I'm just like, uh, 
if if you're going if your game plan works goes off without a hitch, like great, you're gonna win. But like if it doesn't, you know the game is over but halfway through the second quarter. I'm hesitant to agree with you there just because of how great Mike Vrabel is and how much he's done with like little talent. And And I I know the season's been really bad for them, but I'm just like, I don't, I never had high expectations for the Titans this year. Anyway, for me, it's, it's not even like their record. It's the decisions on how they are choosing to lose. Because it's like you're choosing the option that's never going to work. Yeah, throwing the ball 39 times with a rookie quarterback making his third start does not a good game plan make. You haven't invested in the weapons on the outside to make that an option. I mean, continue to like make the decision to trade AJ Brown look worse and worse. Week after week. I was going to say, you know what's funny is they actually have invested in the weapons on the outside. It's just that they haven't done it well. Because yeah. they, sp- they spent a first on a wide receiver in Traylon Burks, who has not lived up to what a lot of people thought he'd yeah. be. And then they spent a lot of money to bring in DeAndre Hopkins, who's mm-hmm. been fine for them, but he's washed and we all knew that contract was going to be bad. Right. You wouldn't have to do all this if you would have just kept... AJ Brown, who's one of the top five receivers in the NFL. Yeah. Well, but I mean, I would also say that over the last like four or five years, what we've seen is that one of the best policies you can have as an organization is make sure you grab a receiver in the first three rounds every year, no matter how stocked you think you are, take one. Because, like, that is proving to be one of the most vital things that you can have is weapons. Because when one goes down, it's like that can change the dynamic of your offense. But if you just have a stockpile of them, like, no one can match up with that. Well, I do expect the Titans to make big changes this offseason. Uh, especially yeah. when they hire a new coach, when Nick Casario and Mike Vrabel go to the Patriots. But that is it for us. As always, Fouled Out can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. You can find Matt on Twitter at Matador underscore defense. And you can watch our videos on TikTok at Fouled Out Sports Podcast. It's a long name, but you can't miss it. Big primetime NFL games this week. Thursday night football, we got the Bengals and the Ravens in what should be a big matchup. Monday night football is the quote-unquote game of the year. We'll see how it goes, but it is the Eagles at Kansas City. Some other interesting games to watch in the NFL this weekend as well. Uh, And then for college, Michigan gets the big win over Penn State this week, setting up a date with Ohio State in a couple weeks. But before we get there, kind of more like minor games. This week, you got uh, Georgia and Tennessee, and then big test for Washington as they go to Oregon State. Oregon State opening as a minus 2.5 favorite over number five, Washington. So both should be fun. Uh, enjoy the football. Enjoy the other sports. We got basketball going. We'll be talking about that soon enough. But my friend, I will see you soon. Yep. Bye, guys. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye mom. Bye.